music has the ability to change moods instantly. It's this ability that can connect people despite cultures, nationalities or religions. One thing that I totally believe it's that imagination is more important than knowledge. This quote was said by Albert Einstein. Getting a whole orchestra playing a piece of music that I wrote, I think I can't be more than excited and thrilled. <laughs> this is Arty Party. My name's Jay Sykes and welcome to our party. We share the work of artists and creatives, whether grassroots, emerging or established, everyone is invited. Together, we chat projects and passions, events and exhibitions, artistic practice and advice. And today, compositions, music production and orchestra performances. In the spotlight is this music composer. My name is Andreas Bubazis. I'm a musician and composer. I'm coming from Cyprus, Larnaga, my birthplace. I have recently finished my studies at the University of Sunderland. And at this moment, I'm here with Jay. Hello. <laughs> so how have you found the degree at the University of Sunderland? It was quite interesting, especially as a field to study. And then you're able to choose different subjects for your own path. My own options were quite interesting and except just the university course. The university also has offered me other opportunities that I could grasp. What like then? What, what kind of opportunities did, did you get offered? One of them is uh, was to compose for the Sunderland Symphony Orchestra. Scholar. I was able to work with media and film students and compose music for their films. I think it's really good to hear that a great strength of, of a student who's on top of their craft is the connections that they make with other people. Why did you decide to be so open and fluid with your projects? I think it's about learning as well. When you're able to meet other people, you also learn from them. It's almost like you feed each other. And one person, at their own as an individual, they're, let's say, powerful until one point. But a team together, it's much more powerful. That's one of the things I love when people work as teams. Why music? What originally caught your passion? I was always drawn to it. I would just sit with my family when I was younger. They would um, sit and discuss. And I would sneak my ear and focus to the radio and listen to music. Small things like that. And then later, when I was at high school, uh, <laughs> I got my first guitar, and then I just started 
trying to find my way to play. At a very short period after that, I formed a band with a few friends of mine. And slowly, all those things started building and me working and practicing, starting to focus more on music. And it's something that you can't really ignore. It's something that's happening by its own. And what a really hopeful story that it started with a guitar and now it's evolved into the Sunderland Symphony Orchestra. Yes, <laughs> it's quite exciting, especially when you reflect back and see your own self grow. So if we start with talking about the, the, the Putnam Scholarship, what was it like working with other film students and, and bringing your music into that world? Uh, firstly, for me, it was a bit more like, the let's say, the conceptualization of the story. When we've got the narrative and the visual, that's one thing. But as a musician, I need to tap into emotions and portray a story. I also have a small narrative that I have to tell musically. It's like a puzzle that I need to solve first and then tap into it creatively and withdraw what I want from the visual and emit it to the viewer. Talk to me about this puzzle. What are the jigsaw pieces that you play with when you're creating music? I think it depends. Every time is a different approach. But what I can say is the creative process at least. For me, what works is to really just sit and conceptualize and understand as much as I can and dig into the, not just the surface of the things, but get into deep of the meaning and find that little thing to grasp on and then try and get that out. Once this is done, I start composing, moving back and forward. It's like, okay, I've composed this, does, how does it sound? How would I want it to sound? Okay, does this fit? Am I where I want to be? And then it's a process of reflection, composing, reflection, composing. Patnam Scholars. That was a documentary about refugees and asylum seekers in the Northeast. Talked about the goodness within people and organizations that help those people. But 
focuses on the bigger scale of organizations, but that wasn't our focus. Our focus was on actual people and their own stories. And we wanted it to be positive. We had our script and we were forming the story and the shootings started. I went to this one shooting and the guy that was going to talk, his name was Abbas. I just sat there and I watched him answering all the questions for the interview. And I really felt a strong feeling that his situation is at a very tricky place. A place that he can't really do anything except waiting until he gets his uh, asylum. He can't do anything except just wait. So within him, and I thought, okay, yes, this is a bus, but on the deeper level, I felt that he had a Goliath to walk across his journey. And that really withdrew me. After that, I went home and I had this feeling and I tried to keep it, put it into music and tell my own story through that. So when you were sat there, listening to Abbas talk, were you hearing this this music whilst you were talking to him? No. Um, for me, it was a feeling. Feelings really inspire me. That's what most of the time I'm grasping on. Yes, sometimes I do hear melodies and I try to write them down. But for me, at that moment, it was a feeling, and I really wanted to capture that. And you said earlier that for you, music is about tapping into emotions. Yes. Is that always at the heart of your work? Yes, it is. (laughs) Music has the ability to change moods instantly. It's this ability that it can connect people despite cultures, nationalities or religions, even just that emotion that each person can express it differently or through dance, through singing or anything, 
it's that emotion that can even lift people up or set them down to relax and different other emotions. Working and helping people as such, for me what it does, it kind of grounds me because sometimes we're busy with our lives and stuff and we forget that we're almost like human. We actually forget that. And when you just see it, you're able to observe and see other people, let's say, that are struggling or they're going through a phase, that grounds me and gives me that sense of, I'm human, I want to help people. <laughs> The initial screening had question and answers after it was finished. I think being able to answer people's questions or just get feedback, it definitely helps your own work to grow, but also it gives you as well the motivation to continue and it's uh, a sense of accomplishment that you did that and it spoke to other people's soul. Borders of fear and hope. Right. So there's that, that, that hope that you're playing with. Yes. It remains hopeful. Exactly. What does hope sound like? I think hope, it's a different thing for everybody. It depends from one's own experiences, I believe so. In Greek, there's a saying that says that hope is the last thing that dies. I think that hope, it's what we're after. It's that belief that everything is fine despite any external circumstances, that everything will be better. And it's a drive or a motivation. For me, because I was born and raised at a coastal city, one of the main things, it's the sea. And Sunderland, obviously, it's a coastal city. Whenever I'm near the sea, it allows me to calm myself, relax. That thing was offered to me by Sunderland. But it's not just that. Before I came to UK, everyone I met prior to coming was like, yeah, Northeast are the most friendly people. And that's quite true. Sounds like there are some people that you've met that have inspired this music. Yes, definitely. Even like the most simple things, even just going to a grocery shop and going to pay for your groceries and the people there that are working, they're like, oh, hello, how are you? 
and even small conversations as such, I think they can even change your whole mood. What inspired me, it was when I was walking on the bridge. Because sometimes I like walking and when I walk, I'm a bit more aware of my surroundings. At that time, I was staying at a place near there that had got the bridge at its view. Those green colors of the bridge are really earthy and grounding for me. And whenever I was walking at it, uh, you could see a structure that was built almost 100 years ago. And it had the ability to see many different generations of people that passed through Sunderland. And for me, that was really inspiring because underneath the bridge is the river. So I was always assuming, okay, before that bridge, people could have been, let's say, divided and the bridge has the ability to connect people. But also that it has seen different generations. I tried to tap into that and try and revive different stories as well as having references in the piece of the shipbuilding that happened in Sunderland. said that the bridge is earthy and grounding. What does earthy sound like? (laughs) I cannot say But what I can tell you is that everything vibrates. I believe that through vibrations, music is also produced, even if it's man-made instruments or something. Even cars, the horns that you hear from them, the water, when you hear waves hitting on the shore, those are like vibrations. The earth on its own vibrates and creates sounds. And I think that's what I can say sounds earthy to me. So, if everything vibrates, the bridge as well. 
To me, it doesn't. For me, it's something really stable. It's there and it passes and withstands at the test of time. What vibrates at least is the cars that pass on top, the wind that blows and, you know, when the wind passes from particular areas, you can hear it quite differently. Those are sounds that I believe someone can withdraw from there. And also the bridge within the context of Sunderland has so many other connotations. Is the bridge an integral part of your composition? Yes, it has the ability to connect people and me tapping and reviving forgotten stories. You can see the river flowing underneath. If you hold that image in your mind and look on top, you can see the bridge. It's there, it's stable. You can now start visualizing shipbuilding. Now we might not be able to see shipbuilding, knocking on steel and feeling that sound. That's quite stable, but allows you to think of busy times there, things happening, but we see other things, people walking on top, cars passing, and I think that's a wonderful feeling for me. It evokes different emotions. <laughs> it can almost feel like a peaceful and honoring feeling that makes so much life easier for people, and I think that's only good. <laughs> that's why a peacefulness comes into myself and I'm feeling that. What are you hoping people will take away from listening to the piece? I believe they can be, let's say, invited, allow themselves to hear, go on their own story, feel what they want to feel by themselves. I composed what I did, but that's not what it is. That's partially what it means for me but uh, for different people through their own associations, they can decide and feel different things. That's a very, <laughs> very inclusive answer. It's open to interpretation. Yes, exactly. But then, of course, music is. Exactly, that's what it is. I don't want to limit anybody. <laughs> Composer Andreas Pupausis, who studied music at the University of Sunderland in conversation about his piece of music, Wearmouth Stories. Later, we will hear what it was like for Andreas to have that music performed by the Sunderland Symphony Orchestra earlier this year, and how that helped him further his own music production and composition. But before we continue, a quick word about Arti Party. We are hoping to grow and grow this podcast and reach more people. So this is a little request, a favour if you will. If you enjoy listening to Arty Party and want to help us reach more people, the very best thing that you could do for us, other than becoming a regular donor on Patreon, is head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. Type in Arty Party, that's all one word, Arty with a Y, Party with an I, YI, and click subscribe, if you haven't already. 
That way, you'll be notified when we post new episodes, and it'll help boost our algorithms and reach more people. And shy burns getting out. If you are happy to go above and beyond, scroll on down on your podcast app and leave us a review. Reviews are the most beneficial way you could help Arty Party grow. So, Andreas Pupausius created a piece of music called Wearmouth Stories. It was part of a competition celebrating 18 years of the Sunderland Symphony Orchestra. Their project, supported by Arts Council England, was called Coming of Age, and invited new, emerging composers like Andreas to submit their compositions, with the intention to perform the winning composition a few months ago at the Proms at the Point event in Sunderland. I went. It was awesome. Andreas was the winner of that competition. His piece about the Weirmouth Bridge, its ties to shipbuilding, how it connects people, and how it has endured throughout history, was performed by the Sunderland Symphony Orchestra. Now, it's quite difficult for a composer to write a piece of music and get it played. Writing it is easy. Getting someone to say... Getting somebody to actually perform it is a different matter. So we came up with the idea of a composition competition. So we talked to Mr. John Kefflecker at the University Music Department. We came up with the idea of this competition. We've had quite a few students from the university come and play with us for the final year of their university course. And believe you me, they are very, very good. The piece we're going to hear now is the winning entry from the competition. And uh, I'm sure Andreas doesn't mind me saying that his sister has flown in from Cyprus just to hear his music played tonight. And family members have come up from Brighton to hear the music played tonight. So we hope that this will lead to a great future for that young gentleman. What has it been like for you working with an orchestra <laughs> in composition of your music? I'm quite thrilled and excited. I can't hide that. Like, I will have been in the same appreciation if it was one performer, two, five, ten. But getting a whole orchestra playing a piece of music that I wrote, I think... I can't be more than excited and thrilled. <laughs> For the past year, I was living in Sunderland. For me, when I've been in Sunderland, I have allowed to let it grow a part on me. I will carry a part of it through my whole life. Being able to capture that moment, for me, it's something that, again, I will still carry on with me. I had the opportunity to find about the composer's competition. And I thought, okay, I've never done this. I will obviously study to learn more about orchestras. But I thought, okay, I will write and try and learn. Or either I'll win. <laughs> and that's what happened. And it's a first time feeling for me being able to see an orchestra play my music. That's also happening in Sunderland. So I cannot feel anything else except honor, not just for myself, 
for Sunderland, what it is and its people. What is it going to mean for your future as a composer, as a musician? I'm not too sure. Inspiration comes from different places. As what we have discussed before, it's like feelings. Through my own experiences, let's say two years down the line, for example, I want to compose something and I can't get a feeling. Perhaps a memory from here can inspire me and I might be able to recall it and then grasp that and compose that piece of music that um, inspired me down the line, but I don't, I'm not aware of yet. <laughs> In making the piece with the Sunderland Symphony Orchestra, are there any challenges that you came across? Yes, quite a lot. First of all was being able to, having the music sheet with all the instruments. It's quite amazing feeling. Sometimes it's quite scary. It's like a painter or an artist that they've got a canvas and it's empty. And then you're like, okay, now what am I doing? Instead of colors, I've got sound colors. And through these are the pictures of the different instruments. And then it's their tone, their own characters as instruments and what they can do and what they can say. Like, for example... Imagine now you've got an electric guitar and you play that particular same thing on a violin. The sound will say a different thing. That's what it was. I had all the instruments and then I'm like, okay, what do I do? But um, I had a lecturer, John Kevalaker. He's also a composer. He said to me, I need to develop a sketch. That was a piano piece that I composed my piano piece, and then I did translate everything into a symphonic orchestra piece. So in a way, by, by working with one instrument, that made the process easier for you? Yes, exactly. It did, and I think it made me have a more clear sense of direction. John, for me, <laughs> he was really influential, not just influencing his teachings of what we did, such as musicology or the music image text module. I think he was really supportive, especially when I was composing this. And he's a very nice person. <laughs> I was like, okay, John, let me show you what I wrote today. And then he was helping me in my own journey of, let's say, studying and developing the piece on my own without influencing me, almost guiding me towards an orchestral composition, but to develop it into my own voice. And I think that's quite amazing to be able to do something as such. A very heartful thank you there to John Keflaker, senior lecturer in music at the University of Sunderland. And now, in full, performed by the Sunderland Symphony Orchestra, Wearmouth Stories by composer Andreas Pupausis.
do you have any advice that you might be able to share with emerging musicians, emerging composers? I cannot say it's just for composers. I believe it's for everybody. One thing that I totally believe it's that imagination is more important than knowledge. This quote was said by Albert Einstein. Except that, another thing that I believe is that whatever one person chooses to do, I believe that they should be happy and excited about what they're doing. For me, that's a foundation for everything. So how about Andreas's plans for the future? At the moment, I'm busy composing. I also would like to find other um, projects or filmmakers that are interested and we can collaborate. And also I am thinking to compose and produce an album, but I'm not sure when I will do that. At the moment I would like to compose more film music, documentaries, adverts. Andres, thank you so much today. Thank you, Jay. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Arty Party podcast. I love making these. Today's was a whole day worth of editing, but (laughs) very enjoyable to make. And hopefully these podcasts strike a chord with you. If they do, please get in touch. I would love to hear your thoughts and feedback. You know the drill by now, don't you? At ArtyParty on Twitter or ArtyParty.com, where there's a feedback form. That's, say it with me, Arty with a Y, Party with an I. Why I? Arty Party is made possible thanks to support from our five hugely generous Patreon supporters. It is because of them that we can help keep the podcast feed going. Every person who donates gets a shout-out and a thank-you each episode. So, thank you to Sister Shack founder Tell Irby, photographic artist Joe Howell, co-founder of TriLive TV Nikki Kaur, visual artist Stephanie Smith, and audio producer Laura Willis. Information about them all can be found on the Arty Party website. And our website, along with our celebration events, are supported by funding from Arts Council England and the National Lottery Heritage Fund through the Unlock Strand of Sunderland Culture's Great Place Scheme. My name's Jay Sykes. Hope you have a wonderful festive period. <laughs>